Welcome to a very special episode of So You're Ready to Date, the podcast. We have a special guest on today. We're not really going to use her name a whole lot. We're not really going to say a lot of identifying details because while we are so grateful that she was willing to come on and talk with us today, we also realize that what she's talking about is sensitive and we want to be concerned and mindful of her safety. So while we won't really be using her name because we don't want to give any identifying details for her own safety, safety, we are talking about somebody who is in a relationship with a covert narcissist and some red flags when it comes to dating. So this is also a content warning before we get into the podcast episode. If you are not in a space to hear about some kind of emotional abuse, uh, financial abuse, some kind of hard situations where we're talking really frankly and openly and honestly about what it's like to think you're dating somebody really great and then to find out that maybe they aren't. So we would love to have you join us for this very special episode. We do get it if this is not the time or the place for you to listen to this particular one, but we encourage you if you're ready and able to listen and to share it with anybody in your life who might be going through something like this. So without further ado, we're going to get into today's episode. Welcome to the So You're Ready to Date podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Angie. And here's where we talk about all things dating, love, and relationships, and most importantly, having fun. Join us for practical advice for dating successfully on your terms. Welcome aboard and enjoy the ride. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of So You're Ready to Date, the podcast. We have a very special guest on today. We're going to kind of keep it a little bit mysterious because we're talking about love bombing. We're talking about dating when it doesn't turn out quite the way we think it's going to, kind of covert narcissism, some of the dark side of dating that we don't necessarily think about. We want to think that it's a, you know, a lousy first date because you spilled something in your lap or you show up at the wrong place in the wrong time. But sometimes dating has some other serious consequences. And if we're not looking for the science, not looking for those red flags, they can be easy to miss. So I want to welcome our guest, Christina, today. She's going to talk to us about some of her experience of an dating experience that she had, some of the red red flags, some of the signs that we can look out for. Because we always want to be providing content and episodes where hopefully you learn something, you can take something away from this. So welcome to uh, the podcast. Thank you. So excited to have you here. Really just kind of want to start this whole thing with tell us a little bit about the dating, <laughs> the person you were dating, whatever you feel comfortable with, your story and how dating after a while, you were kind of back new into the dating scene and maybe weren't looking or not looking for this, but expecting this particular situation to happen. So I'm just going to let you go ahead and talk about your experience here with love bombing, dating a covert narcissist, how that all came about. So I I guess I'm just going to throw it all out there. I was married for many years and lost my husband unexpectedly. And I had been widowed for over a year and was in a really good place. I had done the work. I had gone to counseling. I was living my best life and very happy single. Walked into a business and I caught someone, some, you know, I, and that's where it started. I recognized this person as someone I had met before. So he was very aware of who I was and my situation. And within a couple of weeks, we went out on a date. He contacted me through social media and I was just kind of pushing it away like no 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 and then one day was like oh I'll, I'll give it a chance and we went out on a date and very rapidly 
the date was great. We had the fact in common that we were both widowed. And I thought, oh, okay, this is this is going to be great. And very rapidly, he did what's called love bombing. Love bombing is, it's rapid. It's them showering you with praise and, oh, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're amazing. All of these things, which for those of us, who, you know, a lot of us, yeah, like we're all amazing and beautiful and all of that. And so that doesn't seem off, but everything happened so fast. And within, I would say, about nine days from the date I started talking to him until he told me he loved me. Nine days. Nine days. And I think being a widow and just feeling like, oh, this is this person that I've met, there were a lot of things that threw me. I'd never experienced this love bombing before. He talked about marrying me. He wanted to marry me and very rapidly was like, I I want you to be my girlfriend. And I was very caught off guard. It was very overwhelming. My nervous system was going crazy, but I was just like, oh my goodness, like what's going on? I almost didn't know what to do with someone saying I love you so fast. And it was flattering in a lot of ways. Like there was a lot of flattery going on and it moved very, very quickly. A lot of times when we see on the internet where it says, does he like me? You're seeing things like, does he introduce you to family and friends? Does does he do this? Does he do that? And so in the love bombing, what's different is instead of that being months over a period of months that those happen, this was isn't a course of days that this stuff happens. And you are sucked in and entangled in this person's life so rapidly, you just don't even know what's going on. Within a few weeks, I had met his family and he had a family member who one of his parents was terminally ill. So I was kind of emotionally in that situation, having had lost a spouse a few years earlier, you are, there's just a lot of emotional entanglement. Very quickly after meeting him, what happens after love bombing is the next phase is trauma dumping. So now that I was his girlfriend, almost immediately within minutes, he started trauma dumping on me. So trauma dumping is different than venting. If you're talking to a girlfriend and she's like, hey, I'm really struggling. I'm having a hard day. Can I vent? Venting is done with permission. You're asking somebody for permission to vent. And there's also a time that a set amount of time that someone's venting. With trauma dumping, it's ongoing. There's no permission asked. They are just dumping this trauma on you. So almost immediately, it was some pretty heavy trauma that he was dumping on me. Very serious about his wife and addictions and them losing children to social services, things that I had no idea. Alcoholism, all of this stuff that I had no idea. So I'm entering into this relationship with this person who's told me how wonderful I am and and then all of a sudden I find out the rest of the story. And there's a lot of pity. A lot of times when somebody is trauma dumping on you in this way, they're wanting you to pity them and feel sorry for them. So then what happens is they want you to emotionally rescue them. So you get, again, entangled in the situation. You're emotionally involved. So that was really the first phase of the relationship. Another thing that happens in these relationships, and this is a covert narcissist. If you're not familiar with what a covert narcissist is, I would encourage you guys to go onto the internet and become very familiar with how 
they operate. And I think right now we're hearing a lot about this, but it's really just coming to light what's going on because what you're going to find out later in my story is I don't talk about this publicly because what happens is a covert narcissist will come back and they will wage a smear campaign against you. So if you ever wonder why your friends are not talking about this or you later on find out somebody's gone through this, it's because they're afraid. And this happens to some of the strongest people slash women that you have ever met. These are women who you would never in a million years think that something like this could happen. I am a very independent person. I am not a codependent. Is not something that's in my, she's not in my makeup. And this person eventually got me to where they wanted me to be dependent or they were controlling. And that happens a lot in these situations. So going back, we went into the stage in the beginning, there's something called mirroring. So mirroring is something that we all do when we're meeting somebody, we will mirror their body language. That's not what we're talking about. In this situation, a covert narcissist is mirroring what you're doing. So if you are really into something or your energy is at a certain level, they mirror that and they're reflecting you back to them. So if you've ever been in this situation and you're coming out of it or you're confused and you're you may hear something on the podcast today that makes you go, oh, wait, is that what's happening? I want you to remember that this person mirrored you and what you saw in this person, because it's very hard at the end when you come out of this, that you kind of can beat yourself up and be like, how did I not see this? What you saw in this other person was yourself and you love yourself and you like yourself a lot. And this person reflected you back to yourself and that's why you liked them. So you actually really enjoy being you and you love yourself. And I hope that that's like something you can take away from this if you've been through this. But this person mirrored me and they just kind of suck you in and you're entangled. And then this insidious, this is insidious abuse that happens over a long period of time. There was financial abuse that happened. There was gaslighting where that I would pay for something and he was supposed to pay me back. And then it was like, oh no, I paid you back. And this went on for 20 months. Here's another thing that happened. And I'm just trying to give an overview of the whole situation, but this is someone that everyone in town thinks is wonderful. And if you, you may know this person, and I just mean in general in your community, these people are on the PTA, they serve on your church board. So many people that I love and respect in my community told me how much, how nice this man was and what a good man he was. And when I broke up with him, those same people came back and are just like, he's such a nice guy. Like, why are you guys not together? And I couldn't tell them. But it's heartbreaking to realize that if you do say something, nobody's going to believe you. And that's why if you ever wonder in a situation, why do people not leave abusive situations or because they feel like nobody is going to believe them. In this case, I was dating this person and I was financially independent of this person. We did not live together and it was still hard for me to leave. It's still hard for me to detangle myself from that situation. Do you think there's a level of shame that oh. also comes with this whole process? Because you're talking about, it's not that you expect dumb people to do this. It's something that could, that happens to everybody, regardless of what your intelligence level is, your education level, where you are in life, yes. that it's something to easily 
find yourself in. And then there's that added level of, I can't believe I'm smart enough. I should have seen these flags. And then you add the other aspect of everybody else sees this super wonderful guy. Mm -hmm. And I see this other side of what happened. And I can't tell anybody because like you said, they're not, who are they going to (laughs) believe? It might not be me. And how did I, how did I end up in this situation? Because I didn't think, I thought it was smart enough, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and the really scary thing was I was communicating this to my counselor on a weekly basis. I am telling my counselor what's going on. And my counselor, obviously, this person is not in the room. And I'm telling my counselor face to face, like, this is what's going on. And my counselor thought it was the alcohol, that this person was an alcoholic. Because again, he hid the fact that he was an alcoholic um, until I was in a committed relationship with him. And then it starts to come out. And so he was thinking it was the alcohol. And I'm like, something's wrong. I knew something was wrong. And I want to say something right now. If you are in a situation and you can't figure out what's wrong, first of all, you don't need to know why to leave. You don't need to figure out why to get out of the situation. You don't need to know the why. Second, you do not have to wait until a house is fully engulfed in flames to get out of the house. And I wish I would have figured this out earlier, but I actually figured it out before my counselor figured it out. So that's how confusing it can be because this other person doesn't see. Once I had language and I realized what this person was doing and was like, oh, this is a covert narcissist. Then my counselor was like, oh my goodness, all of the things clicked. And he's like, this isn't even just a covert narcissist. This is this is actually personality, a covert narcissistic personality disorder is what was happening. So I was very open with my closest friend, I talked every day about like, this is what's going on. I'm so confused. And you're very confused in the situation. This person who the public thinks is wonderful is at, you know coming to my house and venting and raging about the public that they deal with on a regular basis, saying awful things, talking about killing people. And you're just like, how in the world did I get into this? And what happens if you're thinking like, oh, that you're dealing with that all the time, they do this thing and trying to find my notes here, but it's trauma bonding. So trauma bonding where you have trauma dumping, there's trauma bonding. And if you think of it like a slot machine where that it's there's love bombing involved. So when you go and you're pulling a slot machine or even think social media, we don't know when we pull a slot machine or go onto social, is there going to be something good? Are we going to get a reward? So what happens is sometimes you're getting this very negative situation, but sometimes this person will go back to love bombing you. So it switches is back and forth and you never know. And so what happens is you get the dopamine receptors involved in your body and that's why you get into these situations. And so if you're in that and you're like, why can't I leave? It's chemicals going on in your brain. This is, you know, something that's happened and you're going through trauma. The other thing is there's so much trauma involved when you're going through this. I remember I'm just like, this is not me. I am not somebody this person would invite themselves over for coffee every morning. They would ask like, oh, can I come over and have coffee? I would get up early in the morning and make this person coffee on their way to work. And if you know me, this is not me. I am not Susie Homemaker. I'm not the person who wants to, you know, be the hostess with the mostest. They would come over for coffee and then I would make them lunch 
and I would make beautiful lunches. I did not do this for my husband. My husband, I'm very much with my husband and my children. Like you pack your own lunch. You are very independent of me. This person got to where I was making them lunch and they were very specific about what they wanted for lunch. I was spending hundreds of dollars on groceries. And this sounds so crazy because this is not me, but this is the level of how a narcissist works and they are controlling the situation and you don't realize what's going on. And I thought, how in the world would I? It's because you're, I believe it's your amygdala is so offline from the trauma that you're experiencing. You can't even rationally, like logically understand what's going on. And so if you hear this and you're in this situation or you find yourself in this situation someday, there is a very real chemical, biological reason of what is going on and why you can't seem to remember things or this person is gaslighting you and you feel like you're going crazy, there's stuff going on in your body. So it's part of this whole appeal for them like to keep you off of balance enough Mm -hmm. that you can't remember to connect these dots that, oh yeah, he said this while ago, but like, ah, no. So at a Mm -hmm. certain point, you know, you had talked about he starts trauma dumping dumping after you had kind of established the relationship. Is there a sense of feeling like you were tricked? Like, okay, I was (laughs) thought I was dating this one person and then we change what we're calling each other. And now all of a sudden you've saved all of this stuff that we should have been over the few months mm-hmm. getting to know about yes. each other. And then I can decide, do I want to make this something more serious? But you hit all this stuff. And now I feel tricked or trapped in this mm-hmm. situation. I'm like, like you said, how did I end up here? <laughs> Yes. And I think there was a lot to do with that. I was public about being excited. My community was so excited for me and supportive about the fact that I was dating again. And, you know, it's just like the storybook thing. These two people both lost their spouses and then like publicly it looks so great and you're so entangled so quickly. But yes, you very much feel trapped. And, you know, this person is just dumping all of this awful, awful stuff on you. And to the point where that he wouldn't even let me get a word in edgewise. He was always the one just talking nonstop. And if I even tried to say a sentence, he would interrupt me and keep talking because they're trying to keep you, like you said, off balance. And he at one point even said to me, I'm afraid if I stop talking, you're going to realize you know, how I really am. And so it was just like, whoa. But he definitely, I was so off balance. And he was not, when someone loves you, they are supportive of you. They listen to you. It's a reciprocal relationship. That was not happening. In the beginning, he did very nice things for me. And he would say, oh, don't hire a lawn person. I want to do your lawn. And I was very resistant because I'm independent. And then eventually, you know, he did my lawn a few times. And then what he did was then he started, oh, you can have my son do your lawn. And then I'm paying his son. And so it was just this very strange thing where he went from doing all of this wonderful stuff to absolutely nothing. And so, yes, I felt very, it was very much a bait and switch situation. And I'm sure his coworkers would have no idea or people around him. A lot of what he did too is they're very grandiose and they are very entitled So if you're listening to this person, maybe you're on a first date and you talked about this earlier, like warning signs on a first date, love bombing. But this person was, oh, he was so wonderful at his job, so good, so the best at his job. 
job, the other people were not very good. And we see those people who are like arrogant. This person didn't come off as arrogant. That was a thing. Like I can spot an arrogant person a mile away, but this person is their covert in their the way that they do it. So it was very confusing because he was good at his job, but what people weren't seeing was how he talked about his other coworkers and how awful. And so, yeah, it in the beginning, you very much only have a short window of time to pick up on these things. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm hopeful hopefully this will help people, but read up on love bombing and on red flags and dating if you have never had this experience because it can happen rapidly. Well, and I suppose with the other relationships in his life, you don't go beyond this surface level. So it's really easy to kind of keep up this facade of I'm a great guy. I'm good at all of this because you're not letting your neighbor get that close. You're not trying to create this relationship with the people at church or the people at work so you can hide it better. Maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And that's such a great point. He would tell me like, oh, I know I'm friends with this person. I'm friends with this person. I'm friends with. And so in the beginning, I thought he was friends with all of these these people. Well, it turns out he was an acquaintance. And I looked at him one day and I said, uh, I think that your acquaintances, these are acquaintances. These aren't actually friends. I said, if you showed up at this person's front door, would they welcome you in or would they be really confused as to why you're at their front door? And that's when it was like, oh, she's caught me. And he started changing his language. And so he was acquaintances with a very large group of people that he claimed to be friends with. And so people, like you're saying, they didn't know him below that surface level. And so a lot of times with a covert narcissist, there's just no depth to them. And it's very surface. They're reflecting back to you yourself in the beginning. And so, yeah, it was, it's very, it will throw you off. And before this happened, I wasn't a good about trusting my gut. And now, you know, the whole time I I just kept saying something's wrong, something's wrong. And now I know your gut can feel it. Mm -hmm. It's just when your, your nervous system is so dysregulated, trust that in those situations that, you know, something in your body knows that something is wrong. So in talking about friends, what about your circle of friends? Were you talking about this with them? Were they noticing that, hey, something's not quite the same with you since you've gotten into this relationship? How did that all kind of play out as you're going through this? So my closest friend that I talked to every day, I was very open about what was going on. And I think, you know, you have people that are like, well, you know, you did say this. And in times I would be like, my thing was that, I would kind of, mm, I would kind of maybe justify it. I'd be like, well, he's been, I would tell myself, well, he's been through all of this trauma. And if I'm just patient with him, like he will grow and he's never been in a situation where he's been in a healthy relationship. So it was me. And then the person would, you know, reflect that back to me. Well, you did say this. And so it's like, okay, I did say this, but I was telling my best friend and I was telling, I wasn't, but I wasn't telling like my family. I wasn't telling other people the only there was one person that said, well, I thought this something was off in this situation, but no, they hide it so well. And then like you mentioned earlier, you're so ashamed of like, how did I end up in this situation? And I'm really good at 
restoring things and being like, oh no, everything's wonderful and this is going to get better. So no, I think a lot of times we would, our minds would be blown to find out. And as I have opened up to people, because you start recognizing, oh, that's what's happening in this relationship. And you open up to another person and they're like, yes, I'm in a narcissistic relationship. And some people can't get out. Maybe they have children with this person. But as you start talking about it, you will find out that there are a lot of people out there in these situations. And there is a lot of shame wrapped up in it. And I think it's that thing that Brene Brown talks about when you, you know, expose shame to light. When you tell your story, shame disappears in the light of that. When people can say, hey, me too, I've been through this, then that shame disappears. But I believe there is a lot of shame wrapped up in I'm an intelligent, independent, confident woman. I'm educated. All of the things. I am successful. How did this happen? Kind of as you're, I won't say like on the other side of the experience, but maybe if you see a friend, (laughs) would there have been a way that a friend could have supported you and said, hey, I think this might be happening? Would you have been able to recognize it when you're in the midst of it? Or if you see a friend and you have this sense that it might be something like this, is there any kind of support that would, is it any support or (laughs) is there anything specifically if you see somebody you love, you care about who you think might be dealing with something like this, how to best support somebody going through this? Here's what happened in my situation. How I figured it out was that I have a friend who does a podcast and they said, hey, I just interviewed this person and I know that your degree is in you know, the field of behavioral and social science. I know that that's something that you really enjoy. You should read this book. And they didn't know what was going on. And I read the book and that was when like, oh, okay, I had language for what was going on, that this was a real thing that other people have experienced it. I would say find information, find a book and just tell them, hey, have you read this book? I read this book. That's how I would handle it. Or listen to this really great podcast. So Dr. Ramani Devasi is one of the leading experts on narcissism. She has a great podcast and I would do something like that. I would recommend that I think is the way, like here's an expert or just saying, I listened to this podcast and I found it really helpful and had a lot of great information because you don't, you know, some people, if you said, oh, something's wrong, it can really create distance. And I, I encourage people not to attack it head on because I think that if you attack it head on, it closes that bond. You're trying to defend your partner instead of realizing that this family or friend is trying to be helpful and they care about you and they're trying to get you to see what's going on. So that would be how I would encourage people to handle it is recommend a podcast or a book on red flags and dating or um, Dr. Ramani Devasi is a great resource for that. That's how I would handle it. So how did you recognize that it was time to extricate and break this thing off, that it was, this was not a healthy thing. It was not a good thing. And how do you start this process? Cause this is not like a regular breakup where you just say, Hey, this has been fun. And you're like, yeah, cool, cool. We're out of here. This is a whole nother level of trying to untangle yourself from this person because they've done their best to weasel their way in. So this can't be an easy process. How do you decide that? In the beginning, when he said he loved me, it was very rapidly that he was wanting, he was talking about marriage, like instantly talking about marrying me. And so you've got that on the table that you know that this person's wanting to get married and they're moving towards that. And after a few months of dating, we dated for 20 months. After a few months of dating, I just felt like, oh my goodness, how do I get out of this? So if you think about it, it took me from month three to month 20 to get out of it 
or actually month 19. I was gone for the last month, but it took a lot of me really untangling a lot of things. And and there's a lot more to it. This As time went on, the control of, of the time we spent together, this person, they will pull away, but they're still very controlling of your time. And it just got to where it was so unhealthy. And I had been traveling for a few weeks and came home and I had to figure out language of breaking up. And so, cause you can't injure their self-esteem because they, it's their, their ego is very, very fragile. A narcissist ego is very fragile. And so what I said was, I'm not emotionally in a place where I can be in a relationship. And so that is how I'd never broken up with anybody. And so that is how I handled it. And immediately he went into what is called a narcissistic collapse. And what happens is they just start randomly saying gibberish he said the most random things. And I wrote them down because it was so random, these weird look up narcissistic collapse. And it was scary. And I knew I was fortunate that I had time. If you find yourself in this situation and you're going to break up with a narcissist, arm yourself with information, join narcissistic social media pages, read books on it. But how I handled it was that I had my location services turned on with several people in my family, people that lived down the street. People knew what I was doing. They knew that there was a time frame that I said, if I am not back within 15 minutes, someone come or call the police. I did not enter into his home, even though I had a few things in his home. I just said, I don't need it. And I it, there was a safety plan involved in breaking up with this person. And then they continued to try to have contact with me. And I think this is really important in a narcissistic relationship. You need to go no contact. If at all possible, if there are no children involved and no financial things, going no contact. So yes, it is very serious. At one point, he did say to me when I broke up with him, did you not break up with me on such and such date because you were afraid because he was driving the car when he picked me up from a trip? that I would drive us off into the canyon. And so when you're breaking up with somebody and they're reflecting, you didn't do this because you thought I would kill us, you know it's very serious. So be safe. And I, at that point, people knew my story. I, I hope I answered that question, but I would say have a safety plan, arm yourself with information, talk to a counselor, talk to your friends and let people know. Because again, shame lives in the dark. And when you talk about it, it takes that power away, that anxiety away from people, you know, you think this doesn't happen to other people and it absolutely does. And when you talk about it, then you find out, oh my goodness, somebody tells you that, yes, this happened with my daughter. Yes, this happened. You know, this isn't even just in relationships. This can be in workplaces. It can be in churches. It can be in organizations. So narcissistic abuse can take many different forms in a relationship. Well, I'm glad you brought up like the whole safety aspect, because I think that's a very important thing. You know, you <laughs> public place, make sure people know where you are. And yes. at a certain point, you're like, I'm just going to lose that particular pair of leggings and whatever I've left. Yes. <laughs> It's a small yes. price to pay to, yes. you know, and to block on everything. And there's no, yes. it's not like it couldn't be like a, a regular relationship where maybe in the future at some point you can have some minor contact. It's like, I feel like that's their one way to weasel back in, right? It's like, yes. You, 
this instant you give just a little bit like, oh, they're coming back around, I can get back in there. So it has to be very clearly and definitively. Yes. Nothing. Right. Yes. And I had some things that I was trying to wrap up with him. And so there had to be a little bit of contact. And eventually, because it was so he they tried to drag you back in because what a narcissist is looking for is they're looking for supply. They're looking for an audience. That is their thing. They want everybody to think they're wonderful. So people praise them. So while even though you've broken up with them, they're out hunting for their new supply. And while they're doing that, they're trying to suck you back in. They're going back for the love bombing and all of that. And I was very clear. I had to be safe because, you know, as women, a lot of times it's dangerous with men. If you cross a man, you can get hurt. And so I I had to be really careful there. And after about 10 weeks, it just was not, I ended up having to give him a letter that stated, do not do these things because it was, it was almost, it was borderline stalking that was happening. And so my counselor suggested I gave him a letter. Do not call me. Do not text me. Do you do not email me. Do not send friends to talk to me. So yeah, no contact blocking the person on social media, on your phone, all of those things. So that's a great point. So did this experience kind of color and shape your dating life after this? Because I, I mean, you carry that stuff with you and you, as much as you don't want to make the other person pay for the sins of the, <laughs> the previous guy, it's, it's kind of hard not to let that color how you approach dating, especially since you hadn't been really in the dating pool for such a while, being married and in a happy relationship there. And now mm-hmm. you, your first real big <laughs> yes. step into this turns oh, out to yes. not be quite the fairy tale you, you hope it to be. So how does that affect relationships and you how you view relationships going forward. Wow. Okay. So I was just like, I'm happy being single. I am good. I was so happy. I was just like, I'm going to live my best life. I am not somebody who needs a partner in life. So I was great. I was happy. But yes, it definitely was a rude awakening for me because I just believe that everyone is nice and everybody treats each other with respect. And that is not true. So it was a big lesson for me. I wish I hadn't have gone through that for 20 months. I wish I could have learned that lesson in a week, but it is 20 months of my life. That was a huge lesson. So I'm grateful for the lesson because I am more aware when I'm entering into friendships or relationships about, I don't know, a few months after I was doing great and I went on with my life and started having new adventures and doing new things on my own. And in the process of that, I met someone and, you know, we were friends and then we eventually started dating and we are three months into dating now. And I am still, my guard is up. I'm still like watch things like a hawk. And so it does. And that's a very sad part of it is that I've met someone who is very nice man and I'm still struggling with trust in that. And I like how Brene Brown talks about trust is built just in it's built in small increments. And so where before with people, I would just fully give them my trust and then wait for them to do something. And that's when I realized like, oh, this person isn't trustworthy. Now I'm coming into relationships, just building trust a little bit at a time. And this person was somebody I was friends with before we started dating. So it is a new friendship. It's only somebody that I've known in the last six months. So my thing would be 
the thing I've learned is take it slow. Time is your friend in these situations. If somebody is rushing you and you're feeling off balance, that's a red flag. That should be just like right there, a red flag. But I didn't know that before. So yes, it definitely has colored relationships with new friends even. I am not as trustworthy just to be like, oh yes, let's go do something. I'm like, let's be friends for a while and then let's see. So yes, it has changed how I enter into relationships. Well, I'm, I'm glad you kind of broadened that because yes, we've been talking in the realm of like romantic, but friendships, it's not like this is reserved only for <laughs> romantic yes. relationships is very easily could happen when you're getting into a friendship. So appreciate that clarification that, you know, like this is something that will show up in all aspects of your life potentially. Mm-hmm. So just like you said, going online, looking for some really solid tips so that you hate to be the person who's like vetting everybody, but you kind of have to for your own safety and your own protection. Yes. My mother-in-law years ago, after my husband died, she said to me, there are worse things than being alone. And she wasn't talking about me. She was talking about another family member who had remarried after the loss of a spouse. And it is true. There are worse things than being alone. And I'm very happy alone. And That's not always the case for everyone. Not everyone, a lot of people enjoy being in a partnership and I do enjoy a partnership, but I'm fine with being alone. And I promise you there are far worse things than being alone. So, you know, learn those red flags, learn how to identify them. This, these are used in cults. These are used in churches. These are used in organizations, multi-level marketing. These tactics are used and we don't realize it. And some of us are more susceptible than others because The research shows that what's happened is we have usually a narcissistic caregiver that we grew up with. And so we don't know that it's not normal for somebody to love bomb us. We don't know that trauma dumping isn't normal. And we don't know that trauma bonding where we don't know, is this person going to be, you know, happy to see us or are they going to be in a bad mood? And so we think that this is normal when somebody we meet is love bombing us. We're like, oh, I recognize this from my childhood. So yeah, I it's it does taint other relationships. So watch out for that in in different situations. Because you're gravitating towards the familiar, kind of like you said. Yes. Like, oh, I recognize this. This looks familiar. This feels safe in mm-hmm. its own kind of weird way. This feels comfortable. I know how to yes. navigate this, whether mm-hmm. that's healthy or not. Not the point, mm-hmm. but <laughs> right. I have like tips and tricks for this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now we have language for it and now we understand it and now we do the work to unravel that in our lives and recognize it and move forward in a healthy manner. So yes. Is there anything else that you want to add in? This has been amazing. Thank you so much because you're giving people language. We've ta- You've talked about this several times and I think just you're sharing your story is so impactful for people to have some, the beginnings of words, the beginnings of ideas to be able to say, all right, my gut is telling me something. And we talk about this all the time on the podcast that your gut is not there to steer you wrong. Your gut is there mm-hmm. <laughs> to point you mm-hmm. in the direction of your best and to really trust and honor that. So is there anything else that you want to add as we wrap this up? I guess I would just go back to the shame thing. Shame lives in the dark and talk to a friend, a trusted friend, somebody you feel safe with, someone who's not going to judge you. I appreciate my friend who listened and gave me feedback. And she at one point said, when you're ready, someday when you're ready to break up, I'll be here to help you with language. Even though neither one of us understood what was going on, just 
talk to someone. Don't be afraid. Find a counselor. Find your doctor, someone to say, because I think there's that validation of like, hey, you're not crazy. This is really <laughs> happening. This happens to other people, even though you've never heard of what this is, this is happening. And I think that would be the one thing is like, you're not alone. Please know you are not alone in this journey. Other people are experiencing this. You are not going crazy and it gets better. It is so worth. This is one thing that I was telling my friend today when I look back and I just remember thinking like, in six months, I'm going to thank myself for doing this, for breaking up. That was one of the scariest and hardest things I've ever done in my life was that breakup, that moment when I went to his home and I broke up with him. And I am so grateful to the woman I was that day and how strong she was for doing that. My life right now looks totally different. I am very happy. I'm very active. One of the things that he had done was they break you down. And I am somebody who works out and I try to be healthy. And he broke that down in me. And he would say, I don't know why you have that bike. You're never going to use it. Even though I've ran 10Ks and I'm active and, you know, it's like, who are you talking to? But they break you down. And so I'm back to the place where I'm out meeting people and I'm going on adventures and doing different things and I'm in a healthy relationship. So if you find yourself in that, I just really want to encourage you. It's worth it. It's worth it. You you can do this and you are going to thank yourself someday for for getting out of that. And I hope you never find yourself in this situation. But if you do, just know you're not alone. It happens to a lot of people, men and women alike. And there's a support group out there. Find your find some people and heal. And once you're healed, you know, go on and live your life and put it behind you. And today I'm happy to say that I got to speak to you guys. This happened. I broke up almost a year ago with this person. And so today I'm able to speak to you from my scars and not my trauma. And this isn't triggering. And I already put in place that after this, something fun to go do so that I can move past this because it is it is negative energy on the subject. But I'm going to go on a hike after this and I'm going to go do something fun. I'm going to move on with my life. But I really believe in getting this language out there to people so that there's knowledge and maybe you see a friend going through it like you know, you talked about and that we can help people and people don't have to do this and they don't have to feel alone and they don't have to be in an abusive situation. Well, what a beautiful way to kind of wrap that up that you aren't alone. It does get better. You can come from this place of it's not always going to be super triggering. It's not always going to be like you said, from a place of your wounds, but a place of more healing, being mm -hmm. more healed in this whole process. So I love that message of hope that giving gratitude to that woman who like, I know I need to do this. And I know, like you said, in a year in two years, even in a week, I'm going to be appreciative of this woman who stood up, who was brave, who put myself first. And I think something we don't always talk about is that this has to come from a place of loving yourself so fully and fiercely that you know, you deserve. Mm -hmm. It's going to be yes. crappy. It's going to hurt. Yes. But yes. on the other side of that, like you said, you, you create a life that you're just so excited about and so in love with that you're like, yeah, this was worth it. So thank you mm -hmm. so very you're much welcome. for coming on today, for sharing your story. I know I can't even imagine the number of people this is going to help because you've given them the thought. You've planted that seed and we're giving people language because like you said, this has been kind of under the covers for a long time and something that to the narcissist benefit has been something that nobody wants yes. to talk about. And now that sometimes social media does some really amazing things. And I think this is part of yes, <laughs> what social media does really well. well is put, you know, people like this on blast. So it's a lot harder to hide in the shadows and be that person. <laughs> 
Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me because this was really important to me to be able to share my story. You know, that some good would come out of this. And so, yeah, to help other people. So, yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I would like to thank you all for listening to this episode of So You're Ready to Date. Uh, Hope you learned something. I know that I most certainly did. There's going to be some more that I'm going to look for and do some more research on. As always, if you have more questions about am I dating somebody with red flags? Is this a covert narcissist? Please hit us up on our email. So you're ready to date at gmail.com. I can't promise that Angie and I are going to have the answers, but we will do our best to find them or we will bring on an expert who is qualified to talk about that. Or if you have a funny story or just a general dating slash relationship question, please hit us up in our email. You can hit us up on Instagram. Make sure you're following us. You can send it through DM if that's where you feel more confident. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to them. If you can, and if it allows you to, leave us a comment, rate and review so that other people may find us. And if you know somebody who's going through kind of a situation like our guest was describing today, please share the podcast with them. I'm also going to link to uh, the Dr. Devasi that our guest referenced as well. If you have further questions, make sure you have somebody that you can reach out to if you don't feel safe breaking up with somebody because your safety is always so very important to us. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for commenting and sending us questions. We appreciate all of you and we will see you next week for another fantastic episode.